mind telling me your name? <laughs> yeah, sure. My name is Becky Harlan. Michael Kroger, recreational hockey player, lawyer, <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. My name is Vernon Draper. Jamel Winston. I'm Jay Dev. Gina Cristina Simo. Christian Glasset. Wait, actually, my yeah. name is William Hebert. <laughs> All right, who are you? Who am I? <laughs> That's a damn good question. <laughs> I am a friend of yours. I am a computer scientist from France. I'm a human being. I'm also a gambler. I'm your mother. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just everything that's good. Mixed with a little bang. I'm everything that's good. Mixed with some bang. And I'm Lizzie Peabody. This is Your Story Here, a podcast about humans and the common threads that bind us. I first started interviewing strangers after a couple of decades of being told not to talk to them. This show is about sharing some of the conversations that I've had. Now they're yours too. What do you want to be when you grow up is a question I heard a lot as a kid from adults. And my answer was always the same. I always said something that hasn't been invented yet. Because I honestly couldn't imagine what I might be. I just turned 28, and I think it's safe to say I've reached the age that those adults were talking about. I recently left the career that I thought I'd been working toward, that I had worked in since college. And I find myself at a bit of an impasse. I keep bumping up against this question of what role does a job serve in your life? There's so many different ways to think about a job, what you hope and you expect to get from it. And that is the theme of this week's episode. We'll hear from three different people, all of whom I met by chance. Quick note about the audio. A lot of these interviews I stumble into on the go, and I record them on my iPhone. So I apologize for any less than professional quality sound recording in this episode. It's more of a guitar than a banjo. It, it plays like all the same chords as a guitar. The neck is just like a guitar, but then it has a banjo head on it, so it sounds like a banjo. Wow. Yeah. Is, is really there a neat. name for it? Um, some people call it a gitjo, and some people call it a banjo tar, but it, essentially it's a six-string banjo. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we have a good time, and I mean, we met these kids the other day, and um... Uh, in How did you Virginia. guys meet? Uh, well, Nomad and I, uh, the kid with the dreads, we were playing music on the streets, and they came up and started hanging out. We started jamming together. And, yeah. So that was in Richmond, and then uh, we wound up getting... Oh, nice! You got a new hat! Sweet! found that in the street. That's awesome. Um... So how did so you went out to Utah for school and everything? You came back to Massachusetts. How did you come to be a traveling street musician? Well, um, a couple of years ago, I wound up getting a, a job as like a trucker, but I was driving like those um, those Sprinter vans. They're like the tall FedEx vans. They look like really strangely shaped, like really awkwardly tall vans. Um, and I was it was like a little dispatching company based out of Cleveland, actually. My sister lived there, so I went to like crash for a little while, and then I got this job and. Um, I started getting paid to travel, like I was doing coast-to-coast deliveries, and then I met a kid who traveled out of a backpack, and uh, I actually, I met him at a music festival, and um, he wound up coming with me on the road doing that trucking job for a little while, and he started teaching me things about, like, how to get by without having a conventional job, like a 9-to-5 or whatever, and um, I'd always kind of my whole life felt like a square peg in a round hole, I felt like, you know, there are many people who work a 9-to-5, and that's totally fulfilling for them, and it works for them, and I completely respect it, but like, for me, I was miserable. Like it just didn't, it didn't resonate with me. It didn't make sense. So 
he taught me, you know, some basics about like how to how to find food in dumpsters, how to how to ask people for their leftover food when they're going down the street, sort of, you know. And then I, you know, I I played guitar for a little while as a teenager, mostly because I loved to sing, and um, I just started playing music on the streets and realized that I could make enough to get by. And you know, it wasn't. Hey, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. But I, I feel like most people living in society have PTSD in some way or another just from dealing with, like, the, the shenanigans of the way our society is run and how much fear is put into us. And, like, I mean, I hitchhike alone as a female a lot. You know, I've been traveling with a few friends for a little while now, but, like, I, I've definitely set out with a backpack and, and a dog and, and just gone and, and stuck my thumb out and tried to get wherever it was I was trying to get. And, um, so, like, having a dog with me has been a blessing because... Not only is he a great companion, but he also gives me an out if I have a ride that stops by and I don't feel too comfortable with him. I can say, you know, my dog doesn't doesn't really like you, no offense, but it would be a miserable ride for both of us, so I'm going to go ahead and pass on thanks for stopping, you know. Have you ever had a situation where you felt, like, in danger? As an adult, no, actually. I've been, I, I, I would say I feel really blessed that, like, I um, I learned a lot of lessons kind of the hard way as a teenager. I used to run away from home a lot as a teenager, and pretty much most of the things that you can imagine going bad uh, went bad as a teenager, but as an adult, like, once I kind of abandoned the, the 9 to 5 and, and started walking with a bag, um... I've listened to my instincts, you know, and, and one of the hardest lessons was learning that, like, even if I don't know why I feel a certain way about something, if I pay attention to it anyway, it's going to work out for the best, you know? Like, I may not know why somebody feels sketchy to me, but if I avoid them, then totally fine, you know? And, um... So just trusting my gut and, and knowing that I don't need a, a tangible reason to give to anybody, you know, like nobody nobody needs to know exactly why anything. It's just what I feel and, and I go with it. How early how early did you know that you didn't fit in? Way early. I mean, I tried to run away <laughs> for the first time when I was like six years old. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. My, I think my mom still doesn't quite believe me, but I snuck out of the house. Um, and I brought with me, like, an apple and my favorite book and, you know, whatever. And I stepped in a snowbank. It was in the middle of winter. And um, I got snow in my boot. I was like, man, it's way too cold to be out here. So I snuck back in and, you know, whatever. Do your parents worry about you? Yeah, actually, like, two years ago around Christmas, um, my cell phone broke. And I wasn't able to call my parents for, like, a couple of weeks, pretty much. And, I mean, I, I usually talk to them, like, probably about once a month. That's not an interesting story. But so they, they put out a missing persons on me, so... I had, a, I had a cop ID me just because I had a backpack, and, and I think sometimes, like, we get targeted as people that might be, like, destitute or, you know, homeless or whatever, and um, so we get ID'd a lot, actually, even when we're customers at stores and stuff, it's kind of silly, but, like, they put out a missing person, so a cop was IDing me, and he's like, hey, do you know your missing person? He's like, no, I have no idea. He's like, you should call your parents. Like, give me your phone. I would totally call my parents. I love my mom and dad, and, and they do worry, but they also see that I'm happier in my life now than I've ever been, like... You know, I struggled as a teenager, I struggled as a kid, I struggled as, an, as a young adult just with trying to, to figure out where I fit into society and, um, you know, like a lot of a lot of working to produce some kind of like paper money that transferred into rent or food or whatever didn't really make sense to me. And there's no judgment on anybody who, who fits into a different box than I do, you know, like I think different strokes from folks. <laughs> but, um... 
that the nomadic lifestyle to me makes a lot more sense. So, you know, my, my, I think my mom knows that even though she may not quite understand where I'm coming from or why I love it so much, she hears the happiness in my voice. She knows that, like, uh, there's a, a drive that I have to be alive and thriving now that I didn't have as a younger adult and as a teenager. You know, I was really depressed. So, um, I think ultimately she appreciates that at least, you know, I've, I've got a new passion for existing. <laughs> So, do you ever wonder about a time when you might want to, like, have yeah, a family I mean, I never or, like, want, a more conventional... Well, every once in a while, I get concerned that maybe my legs won't work as well, and I would be miserable because I love traveling, and I love seeing new things, and, and meeting new people, and seeing new locations gives me, like, inspiration for writing music and everything. Um, you know, and I have, I have friends that own RVs and buses and all those things, you know, and they travel around in that way, and so I guess maybe that would be a potential if my legs didn't work, and I love the idea of being able to, like, have a garden and, and farm my own food and, you know, maybe have a couple of vegetables, just like a little sustenance farm or whatever, um, but I haven't found the spot yet that I feel like I really feel like I could live for a long period of time, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think... Ultimately, um, one, of, one of the biggest things that's been impactful to me in terms of life lessons has been that, like, when, I, when I'm able to abandon fear about anything, like, I just, I live happier. So, like, I, I might not have the money for coffee that I want in the morning or whatever, you know, but what are my needs versus what are my desires? And, you know, ultimately, I've never, since I've started walking with a backpack on I've never gone without what I needed ever ever even if it doesn't come to me in the way that I expected to or in the time frame that I expected to like I've never gone hungry for more than you know maybe a few hours or a day at the, at the absolute most um, I've never gone without water I've never been stuck in a position where I couldn't find some kind of shelter if I needed to um, I've been handed so many pairs of shoes and and blankets and you know just I think as long as you're contributing to what's going on in the world around you, as long as you're putting forth some kind of energy, hopefully positive energy, you're going to receive something back. And even though it's not as tangible as some kind of formula where you can equate exactly how it's going to happen, it does happen. And I, I don't know whether you want to call it God or the cosmos or the whatever. I, I, I believe it to be true. Like I, I feel incredibly blessed. And, And there's no room to be. Like, you can't... You, the, your identity outside of whatever project you're working on or whatever job you're doing ceases to exist. Mm. It, is like, it is like the American puritanical work, for your, work through your salvation. Like, if you're not working, you're, like, worthless. If you're not working and being productive... Even the language of being productive is very, like, Henry Ford assembly line. Like, we're machines. You know, we have to be productive. Um... It's very extreme. I think it's mentally and psychically very damaging. Um, it's it's an internal thing, right? Because nobody's going to really be like, oh my gosh, you're not doing anything? People are too focused on their own stuff. And you you know, you know, could slow down to the pace of a snail and nobody would notice. You would, you would be like, oh, you know, I, I, I have just one activity as opposed to 20. Nobody's going to notice because they're in their thing. So it really is dealing with the critic in your own head. Can we back up a little mm -hmm. bit and get yeah. some basics about yes. you? Okay, yes. so what's your yes. name? Joy. Oh, yes. Joy Spencer. So you're going to edit this, right? Yes. <laughs> I was born in Liberia to Sierra Leonean parents, and then I moved to Nigeria when I was six. 
And I lived in Nigeria from when I was 6 to 18. And then how did you wind up in the U.S.? Everybody went to school in the U.S. If you could, it was sort of like, that's what most people did. They came to, to college in the U.S. And who are you? Oh, who am I? I am a, I describe myself as a, an inspired connector and a master convener. So I was working for a small nonprofit. Uh, I was an associate director and it was, it was fine, but there was a particular moment where I, I felt like I hadn't moved, like I hadn't grown. And then I had to ask myself, do I really care at a heart level, right? So I just stopped, yeah. I just quit. <laughs> and I had like, you know, had, you know, saved a little bit of money, but I had like had no plan other than going forward, I want to attract to me the type of work that's in line with who I am. What does that look like? Well, so examples. yeah, so when I left, I was like, okay, I'm going to consult. So I'm independent. I'm an independent consultant. Um, the next sort of step is like I've, I've launched my personal website. I'm putting out my vision and what I think about the world and how I want to work and it's starting to attract people so I, I plan to do like a coaching have a coaching one-on-one -on -one personal development section of my work so my my issue is often for me and I don't know what everyone else has in their own head was like this this struggle with feeling um that if I'm doing what I want to do and, and avoiding things that I don't want to do I'm being lazy somehow like the people who are like about their passion and about that type of work, they're like unrealistic, the idealistic, they're somehow trying to avoid the real true nitty gritty things of life and they're being childish and trying to like run around and flit around and you know do all this sort of all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting to the point where I don't care. It's not, you know, it's not criminal. <laughs> it's not, you're not committing a crime by wanting to, you know, work in the area of your of your passion and I think that there's more opportunity for people to do that like we can do it you know yeah so I think there's more opportunity than there might have been in a in other times and we should take it do you think it's possible for everyone to live like that um I think so if it's if we it's a head game you know it's like it's it's a way of reframing and thinking about how you want to sort of restructure and reorient yourself. Because um, there's some jobs that, like, yeah. just someone has to do, right? Nobody is going to feel passionate about... Not true! I have run into people who love tax preparation. <laughs> and people who love... I'm like, who's, who's the other thing? Somebody else who is, like, they love, like, fundraising, like, development. Like, what? Oh. Yeah, like, you know, stuff that you think... Like, I naturally assume I'm like, nobody likes tax... I went to a workshop. Like, it was something, like, unrelated... And, and we were taught, people were like, oh, say things that, you know, someone might not know about you. And she's like, oh, I love tax preparation. I love tax time. She volunteers and she does all that. And I'm just like, you what? Like, and so then you think, and then you're like, so, there literally is something for everybody. So literally, I feel like what's happened is there, the, there's, there's a right person for everything, but everyone is in, like in the wrong boxes. Like people are trying to shove people into like the wrong boxes. And there's, so the problem is like, the, how the system approaches putting people where they need to be. Because people, we're not incentivized really to be truly honest about what we want to do and what our strengths are. Mm -hmm. You're incentivized to suppress who you are for the 
careers or whatever that are most lucrative. Mm. So you have a lot of people who are probably lawyers and doctors and engineers who have no business being that. But, you know, if, if, if you want to, like, advance and have... And everybody wants status and everybody wants to advance. But if you sort of prioritize certain careers over others and say these are the more valuable ones, you know, sometimes you're going to get people who are going to go for it who probably shouldn't because that's not, mm. that's not really the, their thing. And someone might love picking up trash. They just love it, you know? But they might go for something else because it's not going to be respected but it's needed and it's important for society so why can't the person who loves to do that one do it and be respected for doing it and get paid well for doing it there is no dirty work there is something for everybody and there are people who like something that you absolutely detest and hate and that think that nobody would want to do it there are people who love it what you think there's someone who's passionate about a cleaning restaurant bathrooms why not? <laughs> because it's so gross. If you pay, if you got paid, yeah. Like if you if it was if you were not looked down on for cleaning a restaurant bathroom, mm-hmm. and if you got paid like a proper sort of proper wage, yeah. If you got paid well enough that you could support your family and you could do whatever, mm-hmm. why not? Some people love to clean. Mm-hmm. The issue is that we don't pay. There are certain jobs that we don't pay well for. And also on top of that, don't don't respect. And I think everything that we're doing needs somebody who really wants and to be there. You know, there's room for everybody. <laughs> so yeah, I would spend my whole life just meeting people and doing one-on-one coffee meetups and having conversations. Like I would, I would spend my life having conversations. I went to a workshop. And it was just sort of like, what, what would you want your, your epitaph to say? And I wrote, she brought the people together. Well, what's your name? Breath. 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 Um. Come in the ladder, home. You can look, see it better for this. Okay. Whoa! That's insane. That's a total I have so many questions. This is so cool that you let me look below the street. <laughs> How long have you have you worked for Pepco? Uh, I've been here for 10 years. So I'm probably the least. But he's been here like 15, and he's been here like 40. So. Wow. If you didn't work this job, what? I have what no idea. Want? This was just something that happened for real for really real. how'd you come how'd you come you to I thought I'd application you just yeah just found yeah, it found on the street it. I feel like I was <laughs> application in online uh-huh they called me back man you want a job and I had no idea that was what all the all this was mm-hmm. then man I learned it shit I love it man I like it man what do you love about it you get to get a good trade that can't anyone else have and plus the money, man. The money is real nice. The money, man, a hundred grand, easy. 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 Maybe I should sign up. Do you have any women who work down there? They're right here. <laughs> no, right. These guys. <laughs> <laughs> is that supposed to be an insult? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, babe? <laughs> Do you think that... I, I feel like a lot of people spend a lot of time... Uh, I don't know, at least my peers trying to find a job that like fits with your passion and represents who you are. Mm-hmm. 
But you seem pretty happy with this job that's like getting a job done. Yeah, because once you're used to it, that's what that you do. You're just used to it and you want to get it done. But I actually fell in love with it after I learned it. But once I first got hired, that I, I don't want to do this because it was just so much manual labor and I wasn't used to that. But once the older people taught it to tell me and how to do things, it's like, okay, I got it. Mm. Oh, man, man, it works out. It works out for me. So you fell in love. It's almost like an arranged marriage, you know? So, <laughs> exactly. So people are looking for their job, like to fall in love with their job and find the job that they want to be with forever. And other, but you had an arranged marriage with your job, and now you're happily in love. Yeah, happily in love, yeah. <laughs> Love, but you would be happily in love too if you made the money we make. And everything about it is good the money, the health benefits, mm-hmm. the retirement. And I mean, if you get hurt and it's not your fault, they do pay you good money. Mm-hmm. Has, have you known anyone who's gotten hurt? Mm-hmm. Seriously injured? Like injured to the point where they, they probably won't work the rest of their life. Wow. So, yeah, man, it's very dangerous, and you have to look at what, what you're doing. So it's remarkable, though, like your system for bringing things up and down. I would have thought you'd have some fancy system, but that is a cooking tray with molten uh-huh. lead inside of it mm-hmm. uh, with, like, some wires attached mm-hmm. and a hook on it. Like, like I could have made that in Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you're just handing lead up and down. It is actually home... A maid, actually. We did. You did. You made yeah. it. It's the worst, like, in the weather, like, when it rains and it knocks out the power. Oh, you have, do you have to go down there under the road in the rain? Yeah, because that, you don't want to hear that it's raining outside, right? Right. Yeah, so I'm going to have to fix it. We have to fix it. Right, but it's not dangerous to have water going down the, the manhole? Yeah, but it's insulated. Okay. Do you get called out in the middle of the night when people's power goes out, stuff like that? So you have to be, have to, yeah. you have to be on call. On call. Are people like, are people ever hard on you guys? Every day. Every day. The blocking traffic. The blocking traffic. The power's off. Uh, we have to turn off your power for four hours. Mm-hmm. And you like why? And we're <laughs> explaining. That's tough. No one's ever happy to see you show up. Once it's on, they're happy. Okay. But when we're trying to fix it, it's a whole, why you couldn't wait until tomorrow? Mm. Or why you can't do this and do that and do that? And it's just, man, how they, yeah. how they do it for real. And all we do with following instructions. One-way street. It's a one-way street. It's a one-way street. But I'm not going to risk my job by letting you go down there and something turn around. She wants to I go that know. way? What's she doing? Damn, you just gonna hit me. I said no. No, I'm not a cop, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. This is every day. This is every day. Every day you get people who will drive the wrong way down a one-way street because they don't want to go three blocks. Exactly. 
I should have said, nah, I ain't one, but you keep bullshitting. I go get one. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm telling you. Well, he put himself in front of the car. She still drove through. One block. That's insane. You don't want to ride around one block and end up the same place if you got run away. Is there anything down there that you absolutely can't touch or it'll kill you? Actually, if that cable he's touching mm-hmm. was energized, mm. it would kill him. Okay. But just like <laughs> yeah. if I was to tell the supervisor he's finished, mm-hmm. but he's not finished, and then he energizes it, it will kill him. So that, that, that's why everybody has to be on the same page. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, you're responsible oh, yeah. for your for your it friends' lives. and everything, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. so you gotta trust each other. It seems kind of cool to be down there. Like you're in a secret space in the city that nobody knows about. But each home is different. Certain ones are real spacious. Certain ones is like this, tall. So you get to know which holes you like and which are Which holes you don't open. So you like to open up one. Ooh. I'm going to open up that one. Oh, okay. Are you so sure I'm not preventing you from doing your job? Okay. Hand me a manhole That one doesn't say whoa. <laughs> anything on it. This is just like a little, yeah, little pothole filled. But it's got the same three wires you were showing me before. Yeah, the green, red. Same three wires. How heavy is that one? That could kill you, right? 45 pound flying saucer. But just imagine if a car is riding over it, you're like walking past it. Anything that we don't know when it'll it a, a blow, but just hope that you're not committed. So you're saying anytime I walk near a manhole cover, it could spontaneously like it blow can, off of its. If it's hot outside, uh-huh. the heat kind of disturbs the, the cables. The pressure will mm-hmm. build up, push this top that or like a frisbee. I've seen it with my own eyes. But shit happens. Yeah. I walk on them all the time. I oh, just yeah? never even notice them. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't think many people do, right? Because they don't know what's in it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't switch it for the world. Well, I really appreciate you talking with me. It's really nice of you. What's your name? Larry. I'm Lizzie. That's it for this week, guys. As the weather heats up, please do watch out for flying manhole covers. Before I sign off, I want to mention that this week's interviews were particularly hard to trim because Joy, Larry, and Teresa all had so many interesting things to say. Don't be surprised if you hear more from them in the future. Your Story Here is produced and distributed by Goat Rodeo in Washington, D.C. You can find shows like this one and more at GoatRodeoDC.com and by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC. Also, be sure to follow me, Lizzie Peabody, at Your Story Here DC. 
Special thanks this week to Joy, Larry, and Teresa, as well as to all the people whom I accosted with my microphone at housewarming and bachelorette parties these past couple of weeks. Thanks, as always, to my tall, talented younger brother, Tom Peabody, for the original music, and to all of you for listening. I'm Lizzie Peabody, and this is your story here. Keep an ear out for us. <laughs>